0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to the season one finale of Shakisha and the White Boy. I am your host, Ryan Dinger, and I am just about the whitest person this side of the Mason-Dixon line, which is how I got this job in the first place. But joining me here via Skype and continuing to social distance is my co-host. She is a web series writing, producing, podcasting queen. She is the one and only Ms. Shakisha Williams. Hey, yo. what's going on how
1: are you man
0: i'm doing well how are you
1: I'm doing good. I want you to announce to the people right up front what's happening today
0: yep.
1: to explain shit away. So
0: I go. will. So so listener, we had an idea today, of, as I mentioned, is our season one finale. Uh, we are going without script today. And to celebrate, we are doing something that people have been doing, you know, pretty much every day in quarantine, I would say a lot of people. Uh, we're we're having a couple drinks while we do the show today, because I think Shakisha, like me, you just kind of miss going out, having some drinks and and talking. So I thought, you know, it might be a good idea to try and recreate that experience on the show here.
1: Our own version, our own Shakisha and White Boy drunk history moment.
0: Sort of, sort of, definitely. I don't know how much history we'll get into. But I can say that uh, what I was thinking about the idea for the episode this morning, and the thing that I really like about it is it's kind of getting back to what want, What made us want to start the podcast in the first place. We always thought we just had these really good conversations. So we were like, well, let's yep. just do that for the last one. So uh, why don't you tell me what you're drinking? Uh,
1: I got a little Riesling, a little a little $7 Riesling from Yellowtail.
0: Oh, see, the yeah Riesling. I mean, I've said it in the intro countless times now. You are so fancy and you are continuing <laughs> to stay on brand with that, with your White wine, you know, it's a little chilly for me for the white wine. I would say, but you're going for it, and I love it.
1: I am. I don't want to get like hammered to the point that I can't even communicate with you. <laughs> white wine would be the the best way to go about
0: this. Yeah, and white wine for me, it usually it gives me um like it it usually lifts my spirits. It, it makes me a happy drunk.
2: Ah, there you go. So,
0: so maybe that'll work for you too. I myself. Emma, I'm drinking a glass of bourbon here. Uh, I put some Baileys in my coffee this morning, which was uh, what how I, what I did. The, when, when I say this morning, I say like an hour before we <laughs> before we started recording here. So uh, late morning, early afternoon. But uh, yeah, I have some bourbon here and a glass and, and a beer.
1: As I, As my man Method Man would say, you came to bring the pain, hardcore to the brain. You wasn't playing. Well,
0: I knew if I was going to get a buzz on for the show, I was going to have to drink a little bit because like I said... Uh, oh, I, like most people, I have been drinking a ton in quarantine, <laughs> so my tolerance is pretty
1: high right now. So what's messed up is I had gone a few times to like the supermarket and, you know, going to pick up stuff, and I literally just was able, Not, I'm lying, I went specifically on an alcohol run. So this is my first time in a while, like yeah. getting some in. I drank on Friday because me and my bestie, we did like this dance virtual dance party and Mm -hmm. her and I just like listened to old stuff and we just were like doing all our old dances for like an hour and a half, just going hard. That sounds Um, awesome. (laughs) So I drank for that. And now here I am with Yusa.
0: Yes. So, uh, you're, you're getting back into the habit. I think probably it was a smart thing to go a little while without drinking because, um, I can tell you like, it's been good for passing the time, but today is day 45 for me in quarantine. And I think all but maybe two or three days, I've at least had something to drink. So uh, while it's been helpful in, in staving off boredom and passing the time, my yeah. liver is, is not going to be looking too good by the end of this thing.
1: Oh, my God. For some reason, your liver's name is Roger. And he's like, man, <laughs> break, dude. like relax, man.
0: He is. He's definitely telling me to relax. but. I, you know, quarantine's going on. What else am I supposed to do? I like to drink anyway. So I can tell you, uh, liquor stores around us here in Brooklyn actually closed. Um, yeah. So, uh, that happened maybe three weeks ago. And, um, you know, Caitlin, who I live with my, my longtime partner, Mm -hmm. she and I, she and I were like, you know, uh, shit, what are we going to do? We were like down to the bottom of our supply. So, uh, I was looking for like ways to get alcohol delivered. And the first thing I looked at was fresh direct. And uh, you may know, Shakisha. like getting fresh direct delivery right now is nearly impossible.
1: Um, Delivery for that matter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely true. But with my experience with fresh direct, what I was, uh, so I tried ordering and they didn't have any delivery spots lined up for like a week or so. So I called the customer service and they were like, what you need to do is just, you need to be on at two o'clock in the morning when the servers reset and try and grab a spot then. So I uh, set my alarm for the middle of the night one night, you know, shortly thereafter. And I was up at two o'clock in the morning on my computer waiting for fresh direct servers to reset so that I could get a delivery time. Well, they were delayed in their in resetting. So I was actually starting to read about like other options. And one of the things I read was um, that actually like people who are disabled, people who relied on grocery delivery before this, were are are really struggling right now because they they needed that even before right COVID nineteen hit. And so that made me rethink my strategy. I was like, you know what? This is kind of ridiculous. Like I'm I'm up at two two o'clock, two thirty in the morning. I'm if I even get a spot, there's a chance I'm taking it away from someone who maybe is disabled and can't go out. I need to I need to figure out a different plan. And so by now it's like probably close to three o'clock in the morning. I started researching other alcohol, just like alcohol only delivery services in the area. And I found one called Drizzly. And they okay. do they do same day delivery. They operate with like local liquor stores. Yeah. Um, so you place your order with them and then they send someone out and they and they bring it to you. And it worked great. I was able to get a delivery time that day. Everything everything came a little bit later than you than I, you know, than we had scheduled, but that's totally fine given the circumstances. And uh, yeah, now we're we got we got alcohol coming straight to our door now, so it's that yeah. uh, has made it nice it's and easy.
1: Lord's work. Drizzly is absolutely doing the Lord's work.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I, the thing I love about it most is, like I said, they're they're working with local stores, yeah. so you're still able to support the local economy using them. But I can tell you what if we did not find that and we weren't able to get alcohol delivered and we were just like dry for yes. six weeks, I was like, man, if we can't figure this out, I'm going to call my family in South Jersey and be like, someone come up and get us and bring us back to where there's alcohol because I'm not going to make it. otherwise.
1: It's been yeah. rough. Like it's, I can definitely mirror those sentiments. I was, um, without alcohol, but I do have a, uh, card. So right. that, that's helpful for me. Mm um i'm not being expressive about what that card is
0: no i I don't blame you even though you know that's so funny that you mentioned that because i was thinking about this uh yesterday like it's funny how how what you're discussing is now starting to be legalized in states and stuff but there's still this stigma around it where you're like i don't think i want to broadcast i don't (laughs) i don't (laughs) don't blame you at all
1: i may want to go back to you know corporate i don't know but for today, you know, I, I have a card, so I, I was kind of able to ride that wave uh, yeah. for a while. That kind of kept me even, um, but it's nothing like just kind of having, like, a buzz. Nothing like totally. it. yeah. Uh, I was thinking about when I was probably 17 or 18. The first time I ever, like, drank, like, I snuck in a bar, and I remember the first time, I remembered how long it took me to use the bat. I peed for, like, Like, 10 minutes straight. I was like, what the hell? My body completely rejected the alcohol in my system. (laughs) Yeah. And now I think to myself how dry I get, like, after drinking. And I want to maybe ask you, like, what are some of your cure-alls for, you know, like, if you feel like, okay, tomorrow might be crazy. So what is your, I guess, uh, what do you call it, hangover cure?
0: Yeah. You know, I I have to tell you, I'm not a good source for that information because strangely, yeah. and I keep waiting for you to shoot a fall. I don't really get hung over much. I like, there are times where I feel like I go out and I drink really heavy late into the night and I still wake up like eight 30 AM, nine AM the next day feeling like kind of okay. Like it's, it's kind of <laughs> rare for me. Yeah. And you know what I thought when I was like, you know, I'm, I'm 34 now I thought moving into my thirties that would start to change. Yeah. And it it really hasn't yet.
1: Look at you. So strong. You know what? You sacrifice. (laughs) You've given up beef. So that sacrifice has, you know, eked into your body's like, well, we'll give him alcohol.
0: Maybe, 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 maybe my baby was like, (laughs) my body was like, yeah.
1: (laughs) He's given up the steaks for us. We'll give him alcohol. You know what?
0: I I think that that would be very thoughtful of my my body to do if I could continue (laughs) to live on this way. That would be great. But I, it's not that I never get hung over. It's just rare. Like I can tell you, um, January 1st of 2019, I was extremely hung over and I have a, I remember the date and the memory specifically, cause I remember thinking, this is how I'm starting off my year, huh? Like I went way too hard on New year's Eve <laughs> had way too much champagne and, uh, yeah, it was, it was ugly the next morning. So it does happen, but it's not as often as maybe I feel like it should be.
1: Well, a good friend of mine, her cure all is um, Pedialyte.
0: She yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah.
1: where's by it, like you know, Pedialyte, maybe a little BC powder, which is a headache medicine. Right. Um, and plenty of water, and she's like, it takes no time for her to recover from, you know, from a night that has been, you know, quite rigorous. If
0: Have I'm you like. tried it?
1: I have. Um, I had an, I had a brown liquor shack moment and I had to go to work the next day. Yeah. And, um, in my infinite wisdom, I ran down to the local Dwayne Reed and I grabbed the, 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 you know, I guess it's probably like a quart uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: of Pedialyte and it worked. It actually did work. Like I needed a minute. It wasn't like it was right away, but eventually probably about a half hour later I felt good and I'm not saying it works for everyone but it's right. certainly because Pedialyte's that weird flavor so not everyone can consume it yeah. um, but for me it worked Gatorade has never even worked like that I you know to replenish electrolytes it's never even made me feel like "Whoa, that's good that's good mm-hmm. oh no mm-hmm. so, yeah
0: yeah I don't know I, I think um I, w- I wish that I had like some good advice. You know what I've heard helps hangovers is uh, greasy food. Like people have said, if you have like a really good like um, bacon, egg and cheese sandwich or something from a bodega or whatever, like that is a
1: good way to. Yeah, but usually you're like not really in the mood for food after a little, yeah. a, a, you know, after I only would call it a bender because it's not always about just like shit face and unable. Mm-hmm remember what happened the night before sometimes it's just a little too much and a little too early the next day sometimes that's exactly enough to be like holy god uh,
2: yeah.
1: kill me now <laughs> that's a bad that's a bad combo um i did also want to ask you so like when all of this is said and done the world is never going to be the same, right? Mm-hmm. But you would think so, yeah. Your like plan of action, like when when the the because I I'm I'm gonna implore absolutely everyone under the sound of my voice, do not go out of your house and start mingling until they open up the country clubs and tennis courts again.
2: That's <laughs> yeah. Once,
1: once those are open, um, what is your like kind of exciting excited to do? Because you and you and Kate tend to travel like what is your thing like what is the thing that you want to do the most yeah
0: we we have definitely talked about using like uh taking a trip somewhere um we actually have discussed uh so you know uh and and probably if you listen to show at the show by now you you kind of understand where i where i sit politically uh i felt that the that the stimulus check that they that they passed um yeah. you know for for citizens i thought that that was uh like almost insulting insultingly low in terms yeah. of the amount and you know that the only reason that they did that much and that the republicans and he who should not be named did that much was because they just want to stimulate the economy enough to make it look okay for a re-election right like yeah.
2: yes so so
0: what having- <laughs> so what i decided was you know what Well, well, first I was jokingly saying I'm going to fucking die with that $1,200 in my bank account. Like I am never going to spend a dime of it because like nuts to you, $1,200 to like help through what could end up being a six month crisis. Like go fuck yourself. But, uh, what Kate said was like, well, why don't we use that money to take a trip out of the country and just make sure we spend all of it in another country? And I actually like that idea a lot more. So <laughs> I think that's the plan, like maybe go to Mexico or something like what's what's the place that would annoy him the most? It would probably be Mexico, right?
1: Mexico or China, actually.
0: China, yeah. But China, I have my reservations about because, like, you know, as much as he has issues with China, I do think that there are reasons uh, for normal, reasonable people to also have reservations about how China operates,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: so I think I think Mexico, you know, like
1: it would actually be good. They have some really a, a friend of mine found like all these really cool villas and yeah, off site, you know, not at the big uh, you know, resorts, just kind of off-site stuff. Mm-hmm. a lot of great places. I know yeah. they they're going through a lot. But they have a lot of great spots, so yeah, that would that would definitely piss him off. yeah,
0: we were thinking Mexico City you you know we're we're not really resort people. Um, nothing yeah. nothing against it. it's just like when I go to a, a new place, I want to really go out and like experience that place yeah. and you can't you can't really do that on a resort so we were thinking Mexico City would be cool um you know certainly you would have to be careful and there there are issues in certain neighborhoods when once the sun goes down there it can still be a very dangerous city in, in some parts but New York can still be a very dangerous city in some parts so talk about it. You know, what about you? What What do you think you want to do?
1: It's so much that I want to do. Um, I'm a filmmaker, and I definitely want to get back to, like, a production.
0: I'm in the yeah. middle right
1: now of, like, writing a couple of scripts. And um, I've been editing, like, a mad woman. So everything has been, for the past week, has been just all about that because I have a tight deadline coming up. Um, and looking at the full season of Curvy Girls coming out within the next few weeks. Really? I- yeah, so keep your eyes out for that. Official, oh, official day coming very, very soon. Probably um, a few days after we air this. Um, so, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited about that. But I honestly, and I was supposed to go to Costa Rica <laughs> Costa Rica in May. Like May the 3rd through the 8th. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and that would have been like my first kind of big international thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, And, you know, like to be completely real with you, I miss kind of like, you know, I I started my family when I was 22. I had my I had my son, Kijana, when I was 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've ended up having four children. But I put a lot of my wanderlust and wanderlust and my, you know, kind of that thing that I've always wanted to do on hold. So I am. As soon as this thing is over, because there you can't even plan a flight right now, like all the way honest, you can't even schedule a flight six months out, Um, which is really crazy.
0: It's a risk for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, I really want to go to London or someplace super warm. (laughs) something really really worn thailand might be it i'd even love to go to ghana they have this big festival in january for new years Mm -hmm. Um, and like this big kind of like an african afro um afro punk Kind of oh thing.
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: um so i would that that would be on my my to-do list we, we actually... just listen just actually going out and being in a park because you can't go in any parks now and for you guys like new york city specifically manhattan central park has become like a hospital zone
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, i mean obviously we're nowhere near there but just seeing the images you're like it's it's surreal for sure
1: it's incredible i have to also say i miss like going to like Checking out, you know, if you, if for anyone who's listening, uh, Ryan's a guitarist, so <laughs> and he does like and he produces, so um, I miss kind of going to like seeing my friends play and that sort of thing, and I won't miss anymore. Like, every time I'm like, oh my god, yeah, start till eight, that means I have to get back to you know, like I have all this, and then it's no, just go have fun and take your ass home when it's over,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you because I've been thinking, you know like once things reopen and we can start to be social again, I know after a few months go by, I'm going to start to get complacent again and and start getting back into that habit where I like, I don't do stuff sometimes. Yeah. And I'm, I've been trying to tell myself, like, remember this feeling like that, that I'm experiencing right now. Like remember how much you missed being able to go out and do stuff. And like, it's okay to say, to say no sometimes still, sometimes you need to just go home and recharge and that's totally fine. But like, Sometimes I was doing it just because like I'm a weird anxious person who like sometimes just can't do a social thing and like taking like making myself uncomfortable more and and making sure that I like try and seek out experiences and really get the most out of it, you know.
1: Yeah. I think I think for a lot of us who are so I'm I consider myself an extrovert introvert which mm-hmm. means that I don't mind meeting people I can go into an office and make everyone feel excited and happy and you know I can I can interact with people with ease right and uh, it appears that if I told someone I'd rather be alone like I'm not really a people I am a people person but I like my alone time it would be hard for them to believe okay that being said I don't mind interactions that are meaningful. I'm not just going to the party and like have to be the bell of the ball. I'd rather find a table in the back, a couple of people I already know, and then we have like a real honest kind of full on discussion about something important or yeah. even meaningful like it doesn't have to be important like politics or whatever or like what we do here on shakisha and the white boy mm-hmm. i i just want i just like deeper level stuff that's Same. why I, I don't have to date like, <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> like like dating would drive me fucking batshit crazy I'd, yeah so what do you do and when you know where did you go mm-hmm. oh my god kill me now
0: yeah, no, I definitely feel you. I, I, too, and, you know, I think it's just another way that we're, like, I'm, I'm so much more drawn to conversations that are, like, philosophical in nature or just, like, deeper where you can really sort of get to know someone's soul and, you know, beyond yeah. what they do for work and stuff. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, like, you know, taking a trip and stuff sounds great, but honestly, like, just being able to, to take a tra- the train to Central Park, like, Wow. That was something that we would do, you know, and, and from where we live in Brooklyn, it's like probably a 55 minute train ride to get there. But like what you know, I think people who don't live in New York don't realize that, like in Central Park, especially now, you know, where it, where it, it was dangerous for a time. But you can go into the park now and if you get into the middle of it, you can actually like forget you're in the city. It's really crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can escape the street noise and just be sort of immersed. And it's so weird. You're in the middle of New York City, but you wouldn't feel like it at all. And I miss that feeling so
1: much. Absolutely, I, I am a one hundred percent agreement with you. So what about that thing that you and I and Kate planned on at least four times? Is it Hassan Pfeffer, Is it what you call it? It's a big uh, Brooklyn. It's a big Brooklyn
0: kind of eating festival. Oh, oh, uh, Smorgasbord. Yep. Smorgasburg. Yeah. Smorgasbord. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. my God. I, I like that
1: forgot that's even a thing.
0: <laughs> 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 I forgot that that's even a thing. Smorg. Oh, I miss Smorg so much. <laughs> so I've for never, people who don't know.
1: Ever, ever. I don't care what kind of headache I have, I don't care what allergies I'm suffering
0: with. We going to smorg. Hell yeah. So for smorg- people who don't know, smorgasburg yeah. is a uh every weekend in uh Williamsburg, which is a neighborhood in Brooklyn, they uh set up like probably 70, 80 tents, different local food vendors all come to this like single lot and you can go and basically get any type of food you want. Um and it's right there on the river. So you have the like the skyline as your background it's just a, it's just an awesome experience
1: and i've canceled with ryan i think was it last year or the year before but we canceled quite a bit we might have even tried last year like once or twice but mm-hmm. every time something happens and i don't go to Borg, and i'm so upset about that now yeah
0: we definitely got to do that you're right <laughs> well you know i get it though because it, it is hard for you to get to brooklyn you know
1: it's a mess. Oh, It's a hot-ass mess because before I lived in the Bronx, which is a two-hour ride, and now I live in Jersey City, which is two hours. And it's yeah. not because, you know, if you're driving, it's probably without traffic, maybe an hour-ish. The problem is that on the weekends in New York City, the public transportation system, like a lot of cities, but it really affects you in New York, um, tend to run slower because mm-hmm. they do a lot of the, the work on the rails and they just have like the Saturday schedule, which really freaking sucks. Cause that's when people who work all week actually want to do something.
0: So. Yeah, totally. You know, it's a it's a double edged sword though, because, uh, you know, the subway is always open. Like it's twenty four seven, so you have to have some type of downtime. And I guess like, it makes more sense to do it on the weekend when there aren't people commuting. But I, I get what you mean to it. Is it is frustrating when you're stuck in it?
1: Yeah, man. So I don't know. Yeah, so morg.
0: You had mentioned and and uh. I, I'm gonna. I'm just going to ask you on the show right now. Okay. You had mentioned before about how I'm producing music. I actually wrote a new song this week, uh, solo stuff, that I'm singing on that I think I might want to do a music video for, and then I think you might be the per- perfect person to direct.
1: You have to send me the song, and I will send you kind of like like my visual kind of interpretation. You let me know if you like.
0: All right. Yeah, I'll send it to you. It's, a, it's a, just in a demo state right now, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm now sort of sort of moving in the direction of of thinking about releasing some solo stuff. You know, I've done stuff with Mike Serby, Berberak. Uh, I have some stuff coming out later this year with a guy named Phil who I collaborate with. He lives in Philadelphia, and uh, but I'm thinking about doing some some solo stuff maybe. And uh, yeah, this might be the first f- the first song that I want to introduce to the public.
1: Now I know everyone knows us from the podcast. Who's listening? Um, some of our friends are listening, so they they understand that we have a a uh, laundry list of gifts, but
2: <laughs> thank but you very much.
1: You, but my question to you is, like, being a front man, is it some? Because I know you've been, like you've been playing music now for over twenty years. Mm-hmm. So, how does it feel to now at this stage in your life, having done the podcast, having working in, having worked in marketing, having all these kinds of experiences? How does that kind of make you? Like, are you excited? Are you scared to death? Are you about to shit your pants? Are you like, okay, let's get this shit. Like, where where are you at with with making this happen?
0: Yeah, I think I'm I'm a nervous about it a little bit. I and let me tell you why. Uh, for a long time, um, I did not sing really at all. Uh, when I when I was younger, like late teens, early twenties, I did some like screaming in a band. That doesn't really count though. <laughs> um, I didn't sing because I never thought that I was very good at singing. And the reason why is because. I grew up idolizing singers who have like a higher range in in their voice, like a you know a Freddie Mercury or a Robert Plant, and I always tried to sing that way. And of yeah. course, I'm not Freddie Mercury or Robert Plant. I have a much deeper voice, and so in the last and I and the other side of that is I never really liked singers with deeper voices. I've never been like a big Elvis guy, for example. Got it. Got it. Um, but in the last four or five years now, I've started to accept that. Like I have a deeper voice and it would be easier to go out and play shows and write music if I could just sing also. Like I could go out and play a show with just my guitar and me singing in that scenario. So I made it a a point to start really practicing and trying to learn my voice and just appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. And so that's been going on for like three or four years. And now I'm starting to get a little comfortable with it. I'm starting to feel a little bit more confident. Like, okay, I know what I'm doing here. Um and so, uh yeah, this week I, I and I've been sort I've had songs that I've been writing where I wanted to sing on them, sort of in flux for like probably a year now, different ideas just throwing up against the wall. But earlier this week I I I started a new song musically and I had a vocal idea and it came together very quickly. Like it took me two nights and I pretty much had the demo finished, wow. um, and, which is like crazy. I never write songs that fast and I think it was just like a, a breakthrough moment for me. Like it was like. I sort of now figured out, like, okay, I can sort of do these things with my voice, and I'm comfortable with that, and I don't feel so nervous about it that I can't share it with other people. Like, I've, I've sent it to a couple of friends and stuff for their feedback. I will send it to you after this show. So I think I'm getting there, you know? I, I think part of being an artist, being someone who's who uh, sees themselves as creative, is being vulnerable and, and having those nerves, and sometimes you just got to take that leap and start putting things out there, you know?
1: yeah. It's kind of cool. Like I was having a conversation with someone yesterday um, about collaboration and partnerships. And in music, um, collab. Like I guess, you know, if you're in a, a group per se, it's a little bit different than being kind of working with someone in a band or whatever. But mm-hmm. have you heard like like positive things from, from your bandmates? Like was has it been supportive? Has it been like a, you know, like has it been like, Oh shit, Ryan, go Ryan, go Ryan. Go.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty good. I would say, uh, so I, you know, I sent the the track to Sir B who Shakisha, you know, and and anyone who knows us knows is, is one of my number one collaborators. He and I work together on a lot of stuff. Um, I send almost everything I'm working on to him for feedback and reaction. I always like to get his ideas. And so I sent it to him, the, the demo track, uh, a rough version of the demo. I've done some work on it since on uh, a Tuesday or Wednesday and he wrote back and he was like, this is so good that I'm actually mad at you right now. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think what, a
2: compliment. Oh my God. <laughs> it, it, yeah,
0: yeah, no, it made me feel really good, but I think, um, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by people to collaborate with who are of that mindset. We're all sort of Want to, it's, it's, it's a lot like when we go to karaoke and it's just kind of like support everyone, tell them they're great. It doesn't really matter. And that's sort of how I feel like the people who I collaborate with musically, we all sort of treat each other. We're all, we're trying to build each other up and make each other confident because we're all so good at tearing ourselves down. We don't need other people to do it. You know,
1: yeah. I, I honestly feel like I'm glad that I met my crew at this point in my life, like I have friends who I've had for years, you know, I have good, good friends who collaborate with me on writing or producing, you know, in the, in the film industry. I have like my besties. I have a friend who I've had for God, I've, since 2000, her and I went to school together. So like, we've known each other this whole time. So 20 years, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, but overall, my you know, Drake says no new friends. I say new friends with kind of what you want in mind. Like Mm -hmm. I, I met you, I met Berberock, I met a bunch of our people. And for me, you know, it was a good time in my life because I had gotten past an idea that all my friends, and I'm not saying that I thought this, but I never thought I would have like white close friends. Yeah, I never thought that I could make like I always had relationships with white people, but Mm I have like friend friendships with white people. And I'm so glad that I got to a place in my life where like, I'm not going to say I don't see your color because I see your color. You pale as fuck, man. You
2: pale. (laughs) And yes, I am.
1: Yeah, you are the anti Shakisha. You know, like somebody. Oh, that is my. Oh, that's my jam. You are so not. You are so not my jam. You are the Neil Sadaka to my <laughs> sexual playlist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: please tell me how you really feel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm halfway through this Riesling, so you're gonna get a lot of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, please continue.
1: Liquor shack where I'm just like, Bleh. but yeah, you're gonna get a lot of real. Um, but at the same time, you are certainly my brother from another mother, like Mm -hmm. so much of what I have developed with you all. I'm so grateful for, um, especially you, Ryan, because you give me like kind of a peace of mind. Like you're not, you you, you know, you're, you're just like this even dude. Yeah. Oh,
0: thank you very much.
1: Yeah. You're really even, I know you have the capacity to, you know. Slip the fuck out. I know that. I know that you're an artist. I know. I know. I see how Kate kind of looks at you. Like sometimes, like okay. Yeah,
0: she it knows down, it for sure.
1: Ten million notches. But <laughs> honestly, the fact is that had I met you at any other time, I would have just like met you and thought you were cool and maybe seen you on the street one day, like oh shit, right? What's up? Like oh, that was a cool dude, and not have gotten this kind of level with you. So yeah, grateful, man. I'm grateful.
0: Did you, I, I'm grateful that I met you too. Uh, but, I, you know, I was curious as you were talking about it, it was making me think like, um, you know, making friends a lot. And I feel this way. And a lot of people talk about this. It's it's hard to make friends as an, as an adult, you actually, know? And do you feel like maybe it's gotten easier for you over the years?
1: No, it hasn't actually. Like, okay. So for me, I have a very intimate group. And you and I have talked about this offline quite a bit um but for me i am very guarded like yeah. my outers like everyone will be like yo she's mad cool because i am but as far as the the inner circle my inner circle is super duper small mm-hmm. never like a real kind of like you'll never see me with like 500 people at one time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and for me it's continued to be that way because over time you know um for you, musically, it's a little bit different. For me, having collaborated on films, having had a business since '06, I started my business 2006, having had partners and, and stuff like that, I've often opened up myself. So it doesn't make it easier, it just makes me more guarded because of the experiences I've had with people. Um, part of it is me. I've always, um, growing up, have like kind of was taught to be silent about my feelings, right? Yeah. That's never gonna work in a in a real friendship or a real partnership. But I, I have taken those kinds of things into partnerships and relationships and it fucks it up because at the end of the day, when I finally speak up, it feels like a rant. You know, it feels like I'm like, why didn't you say something before when it was really bothering you? Or why mm-hmm. do you say it that way? So no, it doesn't make it easier as I get older. What I do though is I value the people who I call a friend that has changed i understand the value and i also understand how important it is to show up like friendship isn't just about you know when we're kids we think about friends and we think about ourselves in relationship i mean in relation to friendship we don't think about that other person friendship is a two-sided beast you have to be willing to put in a little bit of time you have to be willing to show up you have to be willing to take the phone calls like, yeah. I learned that. So no, I'm still very guarded. I don't let everybody in. Mm-hmm. Not everybody deserves my attention. But for those who I I, I consider a friend, I give my attention and love to completely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I feel the same in a lot of ways. Um, I think you and I are like in that I can sort of go into a room and if I'm in the right mindset, I can chat with anyone and sort of have that relationship and be cool and not, you know, I'm not saying be friends, but just on a surface level, like be sociable. Right. Um, but there is, uh, you know, like on the surface, I am a happy joking guy, but there is a lot of like, <laughs> I don't want to say darkness, yeah. but there are a lot of morbid thoughts or dark thoughts or, or thoughts that other people would consider morbid or dark that I just consider natural sort of underneath the surface. Yeah, And it's hard for me to start to like show that part of myself, which is like really so much of who I am. And I think about um, like, there have been times in my life where like I would maybe be an acquaintance with someone and thinking that it was like building toward maybe a friendship. And I would say something about, I don't know, death or whatever. And they would sort of be like taken aback. Like, whoa, that doesn't sound like you or like, you know, and then I'm kind of like, oh, like maybe, you know, this person isn't, really like maybe that we didn't have the connection I thought or maybe they don't really get me the way that like I thought that they did yeah and it's funny too like what you were saying about um like letting things fester and not being able to sort of like say how you're thinking a yeah. lot i ha- I feel like I have that a lot where like and it's just uh, I guess my question is like why is it so hard like I feel that way too sometimes you can and it's even like with your partners right like I'm sure it's happened with dwayne where you're upset about something but like, and he knows you're upset, and he's saying what it, he's asking what it is, and you have the head, the, the words flowing through your mind, but getting them to actually come out and say it, like, actually start saying it is like a real challenge.
1: So it's not that way for me personally, and that's a man woman thing. That's where the, yeah, where our intersection happens. <laughs> because as a woman, I'm gonna say the fuck I mean and how I feel. Yeah. But as a man, you guys, Think, like, I'll have a conversation with Dwayne, and the whole time I see him processing, I'm like, dude, you're not you're not saying it with your words. Like, mm-hmm. I'll just stop him at mid, like, you didn't say anything. You didn't, you didn't say anything. Because <laughs> I, I know what's happening. I know inside it's a cauldron, but he doesn't want to say the wrong thing, or he doesn't know how to express it, like, fully. Yeah. So yeah. that sometimes there um, there was uh, him and I, he and I actually went to therapy, and the therapist said that a woman has x amount of words that were far greater than what a man's words were, the amount of words that a man says in a day. Mm-hmm. So I'll think a thought, and I'll go through a, this whole range and I'm able to express it, and he'll think a range, but he won't only say a portion of his thoughts,
2: yeah, so yeah, I don't
1: know. Oh a guy a guy way to be because when you start to express yourself, um for even your generation, um, there has been this thing where men aren't encouraged to share. Like mm-hmm. men are encouraged because you guys have to kind of like, you know, the suck it up mentality. Like you have yeah. to suck it up and, and move forward. You know, and that side of yourselves isn't necessarily um You know, like it's not encouraged for a man to be expressive with his or in tune with his emotions. It's it's fine for a guy to, you know, be into sports and and physically, you know, be that expressive. But it's not encouraged, you know, for men to necessarily. And it's sad that we're still in this state of mind. We're still here after all of this time that we're still in this kind of, you know, well, a man has like manliness is a, is a, is a, is whatever. Um, I find in that my relationship that, you know, Dwayne is a, like a, a cauldron of emotion, but to the world, he's very steely and whatever, but like, mm-hmm. it's like bubbling over. Um, and I actually find out with a lot of black men that they have like all this stuff kind of like really emotional guy, you know, people, like emotions are like there, but yeah. not necessarily to, to the, the
0: eye. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that I'm that way in in a lot of ways, and I think um, what you were saying about men not really being socialized to express these things, I think that that's true.
1: I'm sure I a- didn't say it that that nicely, cause I'm almost done with my bottle of
0: <laughs> But you know what I mean. But
1: socialized? No, I didn't say it that way. But thank you for cleaning it up for me.
0: <laughs> I think though, uh, like maybe I'm the last generation of men who were raised that way, because what you're saying is is definitely true about me growing up. But like w- with your you have two sons, right? Mm-hmm. So with your sons, do you feel like you are cognizant of that and are trying to get them to be more open and expressive?
1: So my yes, um, my younger son is very like he's very in tune. He's seven. He's he's all the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, my older son is but his his demeanor is also a very quiet one. He's a, yeah. by nature. His his nature is a quiet nature. So everything for him is rumbling right under the surface. But if you get him into a space where he's talking, you can't shut him up. Like once he once he opens up, it's just like it spills out. Yeah. You know, but like he is kind of still and I think. We're, we're at a phase where we're, we've given, you know, I forgot what I was watching. And they were like, you know, you, we're raising a generation of second, you know, second place trophies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we got to a place where we were honoring the idea of the try. Um, so some of that is with his generation, but it's still he has a father who has those masculine kind of views of what masculinity yeah. is. So, yeah, it's kind of on the cusp with him. But yeah. my son, he's open. I i don't, he came in. He came into my room and he says, I don't want to cry. So I'm just going to try to get through this. Seven, <laughs>
0: seven, seven years
1: old. That's great. Kimura, my daughter, Kimura told me to do homework, mom. And I told her homework wasn't to be done today. And I don't know how to handle this. Seven years old.
0: <laughs> that's great, though. That's great.
1: I, I don't want to cry. I'm like, holy shit. Okay, what's up, son? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that's healthy though, you know. And and my dad was definitely stoic too. Um, and I think that that's where I get a lot of it from. Um, you know, sometimes it was like, like, uh, you know, uh, the the hardest thing in the world to—it was like pulling teeth getting him to open up about anything. Um, and I feel like I'm that way sometimes too on on certain topics or when I'm in a certain emotional state.
1: It also happens when we go through a lot, we survive it, but the day doesn't stop. Like there's no, so for instance, if like when you lost your dad, the days didn't stop. You still had to go to work. You still had to do, mm-hmm. still have, like you didn't have a place that you can kind of run off to deal with that for a while and then come back to real life. Yeah. So the generations before you and I are absolutely foreign to the idea of going to therapy, going and talking about it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: searching, reading the books. Like sometimes it doesn't take ter- therapy. Sometimes it just takes that introspection. And it definitely, <laughs> my mom's generation, I don't know how, how old was your dad when he passed?
0: Um, let's see, he was 65?
1: Definitely his generation was not of the generation that, got in touch with the things that hurt them and their idea of getting through it was just pushing past it and burying it. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that might've, the pain that he's gone through with the disappointment, like you don't have time for that shit. Like you're a working class guy. Right. When the fuck do you have a chance to go like, come home from, you know, your job and be like, okay, babe, give me like an hour so I can now decompress and really think about all the things that my life, the turns that my life has taken. I'll see you in a bit.
2: You don't Mm -hmm. have
1: time. You don't have time. You got kids, you got bills. Life keeps coming at you. So that generation of life is coming at me. And wanting that to be, for, like, wanting that for you, you know, to be able to have a quick recovery, because life.
2: <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> life.
1: Yeah. fucking sucks. Life is hard. You know, I think about my grandmother the same way you said your dad. Like, I think about her. I, like, this is funny that we brought this up. Wow. So, literally, I was watching Peggy Sue Got Married, which is a movie that stars, um, forget it. Um, definitely Nick Cage is in that one So check it out But <laughs> it was in the 80s And she goes, she goes back in time But she sees, she goes to get, gets a chance to hang out with her grandmother My grandmother raised me And when I think about my grandmother All the negative stuff I think that I wish I could go at this time Kind of back in a time warp And have a conversation with her And let her know that I wish I could be there for her mm-hmm. In a way that was nurturing to her Yeah um, She tried to nurture me and the things that she gave me and that I understand now as a grown up, you know, what she went through and what it was like to raise not only her kids, but then her granddaughter. Like, it was a rough. It was rough. Mm -hmm. And have that conversation with her. But for her, like, like, she didn't go through therapy for all the I think she suffered with, like, you know, sexual assault when she was younger, um, you know, racism, just like all the PTSD shit that could possibly happen in your life. I have to, you know think about that, but I'm also aware that when it comes to my daughters and my sons that I can have a conversation with them and say it's all right to feel that. It's all right to go through it, and it's all right to come out from the other side. yeah, you need to go through it. feel it, feel the feelings, you know, and then you know pick yourself up
0: yeah, that's that's really great advice. and I get that way too, where I just like not only would I do I wish that I could go back and talk to my dad and and sort of, Tell him, I think, because I know that my dad and I were very alike. So I think I have a pretty good idea about what was going on internally with him while he was sick, even though he didn't talk to the family that much about what he was feeling. Um, The most, and and I mentioned this on a past episode. Most of the talking that I did with my dad when he was sick was more about his past, like before everything had happened. You know. Um, the other thing I think about, uh, and it's funny that this came up, I also think so because I was thinking yesterday, like my dad, uh, you know, he was a bus driver, so he was definitely a blue collar worker, uh, you know, but we grew up in a pretty well to do community and we were able to do that because, uh, we never, like, we never really went out to eat. We didn't take very many vacations as a kid. Like it was really, my dad was working to pay for the home in the nice community and like sort of just give us the opportunity to like jump off from there, right? Like he wasn't enjoying the fruits of his labor. He was doing it all for, um, his kids and his family. And, uh, you know, that's obviously super commendable and and what you expect from a father, but, uh, he got sick. Um, I want to say probably like a year and a half after he had retired and after, uh, my youngest sister who was the the last child after she had graduated college. So like he kind of done his job, gotten us all through college and, out into the world. Uh, he had just retired. He was ready to sort of just like live on his pension and, and kind of have time to himself. And then he got sick. So I was wondering, like, I, and I, I've been thinking about this a lot, like, I wonder what he would be doing now, what type of hobbies he would have developed or like yeah. how things would have gone on if he didn't have to work anymore and didn't have to worry about like taking care of the kids, you know, we're all adults. So yeah. It's, I don't know. It's funny the stuff you think about when someone's... I, and I can tell you this too and I, I I guarantee someone who has never lost a parent or a grandparent or someone close to them won't understand this. There are times in our current reality where I'm actually thankful that he's not here to see what's happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know?
0: And like that's, that's such a weird way to feel. You yeah. know? To be like, ah, oh, like I miss him of course but at least he's not here for this. And I have that thought often where I'm like, well, you know, of course I would, I would give anything to have another day with him and to see him again. But like, at least he doesn't have to see (laughs) how society is going right now.
1: I thought about that with Kobe, but I also thought about how his wife must be feeling and it turned my thought around like, no, she would want him here, you know, like for her, like that that was her touchstone. That was her, you know, sounding board, whatever. So, but yeah, I, I totally, honestly, wish for all of us just kind of I think all of us are going through all this introspection I go on Facebook I'm 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 definitely one of those lurkers because I'm not somebody who's about to like when someone says that they lost someone they loved
0: yeah it's weird to to like like
1: it fucking picture like I don't (laughs) even know I've never been good when people lose you know in in the times of loss like I don't know what to say because that kind of, I know what that loss feels like. It's so, and what I, what my little, oh, you know, I wish you, no, mm -mm, it's not going to do anything for you. Right. Mm -hmm. But I've seen people kind of talking about, oh, I miss my mom or my cousin or my aunt or my whatever, my father, my granddad, like so many of those on Facebook. Um, and I feel like this is a time of great introspection. Um, and that like If you're smart, if not, it's not—it's not even an intelligence issue. It's an emotional intelligence issue. If if you are in tune with yourself enough, you can come out on the other side of all of this in such a bigger, broader way. And God help me, and I hope I'm sounding intelligent enough because I'm almost done with my bottle, and I feel like you've been not—you haven't slurred, and I don't know if you're cheating.
0: I am. I am 100% drinking, and uh, you haven't slurred at all. You sound great.
1: (laughs) Good, good. Because I'm not sure.
0: I'm almost to the end of my of my glass of whiskey here. I've got maybe a little bit of beer left.
1: Hour. So I think, and and I like. I'll I'll ask you this in closing. What do you feel like this world now? What do you want for you and Kate after this is all said and done?
0: Um, hmm, that is a big question. You know, that, that, that is a, this is going to sound, uh, maybe like I'm, I'm being a poser or something, but this is really how I feel. Um, I, it's hard for me to think about what I want for Kate and me because I am a big picture thinker and I feel like there are, there is so much, like Kate and I are good, to be honest. Like we're we're lucky in a lot of ways. We have a good relationship. We are living in a city that we wanted to live in. We both have okay jobs. Um what causes me concern and honestly, like w- realistically, emotional pain is the suffering that exists outside of the apartment here in yeah. Brooklyn. Like yeah you know, when you imagine, when you think about homelessness and people starving and, you know, I was just reading, um, about how we're approaching now a food pandemic, you know, uh, people are having such issues getting food right now that like we're, we're seeing people literally starving stuff like that really is, is, and, and, and it's not surprising of course, but it's really, really bothersome to me. And it's bothersome because I know that we as a society can do better. I know that we as a people can do better. And I know that we have the resources to do better. There's enough food for everyone yes. to be able to eat. There are enough raw materials that we can build shelter for every person on earth. There's there's literally no excuse other than these imaginary conversations about how do we afford it? How do we afford to do that? Yeah. When you have when you have the resources already costs should not be a concern, right? So what I would hope comes out of this is a like awakening of consciousness, a broad awakening of consciousness where people realize like, look, man, we're all in this together. We're all living this life together. And there's no reason why some of the suffering that exists in the world needs to exist. There's still going to be suffering. I'm not imagining a world where, you know, even if you have everything in the world, if you lose a loved one, you're still going to be upset Absolutely. and suffering, right? Oh, true. But so, there is pre- there is suffering in the world that is extremely preventable. And right. I, I would love to see us come back from this and and unify and start to address these issues in a real way, in a global way. Where we can actually say, look, we're all one human race and every life is as valuable as the next. No Amen. life is more valuable than the last. Amen. And, and so therefore we need to start ensuring that people have the things that they need to have a somewhat comfortable, dignified life. And to me, that's that's like I said, shelter, food. I think that healthcare should be guaranteed. You know, you, you can you can debate about what the thing should be, but we need to start working toward this standard of living where people aren't living in just abject poverty and suffering every single day. You know, how about you? What do you think?
1: I feel all of what you said has like completely encompassed my little thoughts. What I will say is that um, the, the, the kind of the veil is off. The veil is off. I think we are a country that has, but how much do we actually have? When I go into the supermarkets and I see shelves that are bare, it makes me realize that it has all been a facade. This Mm -hmm. is all a facade. Because in a time when we need it the most, why aren't we filling the shelves? I've gone in Walmart a hundred million times, at least a thousand times, you know, over the past ten years, um, from when I lived in Georgia to now here in Jersey and The fact that I can't find alcohol or toilet paper, it's like the veils are off. Mm -hmm. What needs to happen is we really have to be a society and I support that. I don't know where to begin myself, but I know we need change. I know we need change. I know the fact that there are families, there are women sitting in their homes who are being abused but yeah. you know, domestic violence is real and the only um, safe haven they have was going to work. And now that they're not going to work, them and their kids lives are in jeopardy. I know that There are kids who were only eating when they went to school. And now that that's not Mm -hmm. happening, they're suffering. I know that there are women who are raising three and four kids alone. And now they have rent to pay and they have their kids to, you know, school. And they don't know what the hell to do because they lost their job. So with all of that, it's a matter of us really as a, a country, stop worrying about people's colors and who's at fault and who's at blame for what. And all of us kind of getting together and saying, I'm we're all tired of this bullshit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, I also feel like people whose interests don't necessarily who are who are lining their interests. They're doing this willful ignorance of it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, walking yeah. around with AK 47 strapped on their chest, as opposed to them saying Can we can we get a meeting with some, you know, some some other, you know, some other groups and we can grow this kind of ground level thing where we get the government to pay us attention as opposed to every day waking up hating somebody.
2: Yeah. Why?
1: Like, I don't, I, I've never in my life woke up hating anyone. What I'll do is I res, my response to what I hear on the news or something I see in a press briefing, I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck. But usually my day isn't filled with who I hate for today. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that kind of lies, the heart of people have to change in order for what you said to even happen. And that's yeah. what my hope is that a lot of people are louder. Than the hearts of of those who are just in it for for hate.
0: That's a wrap for this episode and this season. That is a wrap for this episode and this season of Shakisha and the White Boy. Yeah! Keisha, we did 20 episodes, one bonus episode, and now we're at the end of our first season. Congratulations to you, my dear friend. Yes. It's awesome, Woo. listener. If you liked what you heard this season, please subscribe and review us wherever you're listening. And if you've made it this far and are still listening, I don't know how you haven't followed us on social media yet, but you should. Clearly, you like the show, and uh, we we want to we want to see you there too. Shout-outs to our dear friend Berberak for writing and producing our intro music. You can find more of his music at brbrck.com. Shakisha, we should uh, have a meeting about season 2 soon and
1: Definitely. start
0: figuring out where we're going. I know you got to focus not, on CGR not
1: though. Hey boss, cuz I am fucking lit. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, no, not today. Not today. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll talk soon and we'll figure out where we're going next. And uh guys, Thanks for listening. We can't wait to see you on the next one. But uh, until next season.
1: Peace, y'all.